0: so when I got there, there was family everywhere, there was, the mom was mm. upset, um, you know, officers were all over the place, and and uh, we had a lot of the crowd was getting quite angry, mm-hmm. getting, you know, because why are, why is there so many officers just hanging around? Why aren't they going after the guy? What's going on here? And I really thought, man, I've, you know, and they kind of said, you know, can you do anything with that, with those people?
1: Suffering, pain, sickness, we can't escape it. And when we go through it or somebody we know goes through these difficult times, it's, it's emotional turmoil. It's often, why would a good God, how could there be a good God? that would allow this to happen and we speak today to Scott Montgomery who's been through not being able to have children and seen rub shoulders with people going through all sorts of tragedy in his role as a police chaplain and we speak to him and hear why he's been able to maintain a faith in God through all of this. We really look forward to sharing you with you this this episode with Scott Montgomery. I'd like to start with probably the big question and then work our way down. So, sure. people wonder why do bad things happen to good people? How would you answer that question?
0: Uh, uh, again, kind of a universal question. Mm. that has been asked for many, 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 many years. Why do bad things happen to good people? Of course, you know we know that you know God never intended bad things to happen to anybody. His plan was that it would all be good. For all of us but then you know sin comes into the process as we know in the story of Adam and Eve and and sin changed the whole plan the whole dynamic of the plan and because of you know sin and the nature of man things change and values change and uh, I really don't I, God even today he does not want bad things to happen to anybody good people mm-hmm. or we would call bad people but he also created us creatures of will. He gave us free will. We can make our own decisions. <clears throat> and and what we have, the results of our own decisions, of course, is what we see. And good decisions, things are good. Bad decisions, mm-hmm. bad outcomes. So I think that the, what happens, I feel what happens is that a lot of good people make bad decisions. Mm. A lot of bad people make bad decisions. Uh, again because they don't it, we don't take enough time to really focus on you know or have a relationship where we can say well what how would God want me to do this as opposed to how would I want to do this mm-hmm. you know when i walk in in my understanding um it's not going to be anywhere near to what god had in mind for me you know proverbs is very clear about that you know Trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all, it's a big word. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge Him, and He's gonna do what? He'll direct your path, He'll make it straight. He'll He'll give you the blessings He wants. We have to align ourselves with God's blessings. Mm-hmm. And so when we make, like I said, good people making bad decisions, mm-hmm. bad result. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, then they have to work with that. Uh, yeah, so that's that's,
1: that makes a lot of experience sense. with that
0: that kind of puts it all in a in mm. a nutshell yeah
1: and i guess other people's decisions sometimes impact mm. other people you know it might not be their own decision
0: absolutely it's not necessarily that whatever the the outcome's not just going to affect them but you're right it affects anybody that they might be connected to mm-hmm. in a negative way children or you know husband, spouses or whatever you know mm. even coworkers friends yeah you make a bad decision that can affect a lot of people besides just you that's mm. for sure um,
1: yeah. perhaps someone though might have experienced like a health problem uh, and they might have done their best to you know live a healthy life as best they can and they look at other people who don't take care of their health yeah and they might ask why did I get this this cancer or this this problem when right. I've been doing my best how would you how would you come to terms with that? Yeah,
0: again, very good question. Uh, you know, uh, rain falls on the just of the unjust. <laughs> yeah, uh, when it comes to issues with disease, uh, you know, we know that God is the ultimate healer. And I'm, we're, I'm thankful for doctors and medicine and mm-hmm. procedures and the things that are out there. Uh, but when people do get, you know. Cancers is always the big one, and and there's a lot of other things that come along down the path. Again, uh, you know, a lot of it it can be related to environmental issues. It can be related to, you know, you can eat right, sleep right, do everything right. But again, we're we're still subject to everything that's that's around us, everything that we see, touch, feel, eat, smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's like a, a flu epidemic. You know, why did I catch the flu? Well, because you got exposed and that's, that's the way that works. Um, I've seen miraculous healings with people with cancer because again, God is the healer. You know, they've gone to the Lord and they've said, look, this is the Lord. I'll do what the doctors want me to do. But ultimately, they only put me in a position to be healed. They don't, doctors don't heal people. Yeah. If I break my arm, I go to the doctor, he'll put it in a cast. He puts me in a position for God to do what God can do, and that is to knit my bones back together. Doctor, that, doctor doesn't do that. God does that. And I think we really need to always keep our mind on that. Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, when, when somebody we have loss of life due to you know sickness and things that are maybe premature. And that's the big question, you know why? Yeah. Why? Why? If I had the answer to that question, <laughs> I would have to have a, a office with a with a big waiting room. Um, because I guess the, the uh, real
1: the real question is, how do we stop you know these things happening? We have a tragedy strike. How do we stop that from keeping us from God? How do we stop that from making us you know blame God? And um, how do you come to terms with a tragedy that doesn't seem like it should happen.
0: Mm. <clears throat> well, the best thing again is a lot of times, you know, we know good can come out of everything at it won't make any sense at the moment, why something happens and I I really have to encourage people that I work with, situations I work through that being patient with with God is hard because we're very impatient people. Waiting on God is hard. Mm. But if you wait long enough inevitably something will come out of this if you look for it that will help you to understand that it wasn't meant to do you total harm but there's something there to be learned from a tragic situation maybe um then and the answer varies in multitudes of ways but i do know that i've had people come back to me later to say i finally got it i finally I finally understand, but they've taken the time. I said, "You got to, You really need to seek. You need to really seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, well, we need to we need to start there and develop that and realize that, you know, His ways are so far above our ways we we can't understand them. But relationship is about us being open to take time to mm-hmm. ask, but also take time to listen mm-hmm. uh, to what what he has to say, and then look, watch to see, what 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 am I supposed to learn from this? What what good can come out of this?
1: Sounds like you've probably had some personal experience with learning all of this. Is is there something you could share where you've grappled with something?
0: Well, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, Well, with my wife and I, um, we, you know, high school, sweetheart and all that you know sort of thing and then of course college and you know I went uh, I'm a Vietnam year a vet so you know went in the military came home from the service and <clears throat> we got married <clears throat> started you know we're working all that sort of thing I had a business and she was working full time and you know uh, we never really purposed to have children but uh, you know I mean if children became part of the mix, it was fine with us, we were, we were down with that. About 17 years of marriage, you know, and we were childless. And uh, again, gone through all the procedures with the you know doctors and testing and all these kind of things to try to identify what's the problem. And <clears throat> really never came up with there was really any problem. So we just kind of had to say, well, you know, it's just, at this point, we we were not born again Christians when we got married we were we were raised catholic both of us in the catholic church so we understand god and all that sort of thing but <clears throat> but now we are into a born again experience and have a different relationship with the lord than we had before and so we said look it's all in the god's hands we just you know we got to trust god that he has a plan for this and and the barrenness you know has a plan of course we read throughout the bible different issues with women that were barren and of course what finally became of all of that when God opened their womb again. Well what happened through all of this was a little girl came our way uh, through some local folks that we knew that knew we were childless and she was four going on five, her name's Taryn, and they said she was, you know, she was available to be adopted to go into foster care my wife came home one day from work, I was already home, and she said to me, she said, there's this little four-year-old going on five um, that they're looking to have her go up to adoption. Would you be interested? And immediately, my I was just at peace in my spirit, and I said, yeah, what's, what do we do? And she said, well, they'd like to bring her over and we can meet her and, you know, and have her for the weekend if we'd like and get to know her. And, and so uh, we went through that process, and of course, we became foster parents uh, while we were going through the adoption process with her. It was a difficult process because her, her biological mother was in and out of incarceration situations, and so it was hard to get her nailed down. But it took two years, and so finally became final, and we have now a daughter going on. Well, she's going on seven at that point in time. Taryn, and uh, you know she's going on 39 now and of course married and has given us two beautiful little granddaughters, but what we saw is, I mean what a blessing she has been. Mm-hmm. I mean we cannot, we can't even scratch the surface as to how blessed we have been because of the fact that we went through this process of no children, yeah. but we would have never had Taryn. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. So that's, that's how God works. Yeah. And, well, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's amazing. We, we encouraged other couples that were having the same kind of difficulties, you know, and they're going, no, oh, you guys got the good deal, you know. <laughs> and we're going, you got to, you know, you're Christians, you know the Lord, you can trust God. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of them, one of them did mm-hmm. and had a very good experience as well. So, you know, God's purposes are just, mm-hmm. you just have to trust in them, you know. So we're very blessed, yeah.
1: Do you think there's something in that time of waiting that made the, the results uh, all the more special? During the time of what? The, the time of waiting, do you think that added to how?
0: The, know, well, the, the, well the, the 17 year yeah. span? Well, in that time we were so busy with ourselves and our plan and you know what we were doing. We weren't really focused on it on a daily basis. It was just like, it was like kind of, on the back burner. Yeah. It was always there, but we weren't pursuing it aggressively. Mm. Um, and then of course I think the hardest time was the two year process to get it finalized mm. from foster care to her actually being mm. named a Montgomery. Because any time during that period of time, the mother could have taken her
1: back. Really? So it was emotional ups and downs.
0: Oh yeah, there was some there were some roller coaster rides there, but again we still had to say, look, if this is God's plan, it's God's plan. We just gotta relax in it. We can't be all uptight and you know, mm-hmm. paranoid about what might happen. Mm-hmm. And so we just kept pursuing it that way, um, that she, uh, you know, God wants her to be in our family and she'll be in our family, mm-hmm. that's that. And there we are. Yeah. So great experience, unbelievable
1: experience, yeah. So in your time as a police chaplain, and even I guess as your time in the, in the Vietnam War, uh, how have you learned about how suffering and evil plays out as in God's plan working alongside? Oh, during it? the war. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I. Yeah, I was. Um, I was again. I was drafted, so I was kind of at the mercy of the system. Mm-hmm. I was in college when I was drafted. Right, yeah. <clears throat> so I just and I didn't put in for my college deferment because I thought, well, you know, I might as well just when they get they call me, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And so I went, and I had no idea um, what I was going to do or where I was going to end up or, you know, most guys were going straight into infantry at that time. 1968 was a very bad year uh, for, it was a big offense, Tet Offensive in Vietnam. And so when I got out of basic training, um, they told me that they wanted me to go to, uh, war uh, Officers Flight School, and I said, well, I'm only, a, I'm just a draftee, and they said, well, you'll have to extend. I said, well, I don't want to do that, <laughs> and I didn't really want to become, I wanted to become a helicopter pilot, but I didn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. a good occupation in Vietnam, and so, anyway, I ended up going into the Military Police Corps, mm-hmm. so I ended up in the Military Police Corps, and then, I, anyway, my, my duty, first duty station was at one of the top, Installations in the United States. It was a was called Force Com. It was Army Forces Command headquarters. Mm -hmm. It was all brass, generals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so we were an honor guard unit. Well, I ended up coming down on orders twice while I was there to go to Vietnam, but things, weird things, just would happen, and I'd get called back, Mm -hmm. and I'd get called back, you know. And I just go, I don't know, God, you know, I. You know, I don't know what's happening here, but I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And then the last time I got called to go, I went over to overseas replacement and I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough active duty time left mm. to go. Right. So they said, they called me in short. They said, you're too short. Okay. Go back to your company and finish your your good. service time. So I never left the United States. Mm. Uh, I have a lots and lots of friends that we all kind of you know yeah. served about mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot of really close friends during the war that died in Vietnam. I have several very close friends that came back that are disabled mm-hmm. because of PTSD mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. <clears throat> that I you know I, they're still good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I still see them quite often. But mm-hmm. um, you know that that whole situation again. Mm-hmm. You know, suffering loss and then trying to figure out why God sees you all the way through something like that, mm. pretty much unscathed. I mean, I had you know a yeah. broken ankle and I had a broken arm and that's a couple of things that happened, but basically, you know, out of harm's way. Mm. Uh, why? Why?
1: See? Yeah. Why? Yeah, but did you grapple with why you why you got through that? Yeah. Like this,
0: yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit of that. You know, and and. So I'm always thinking, okay, well, there's a reason. I mean, there's got to be a purpose behind it. I was, again, I was not a, I was not a born-again Christian at the time. I was just mm. doing my thing. Um, so trying to connect those dots. But I mean, I, I could just see time after time that uh, he had his hand on me, you know? And uh, when I checked out of college, because I was still in, in my semester when I got drafted, I had to go around and get signed out of school. <clears throat> and when I checked out, I was walking across the quad, heading back to my car, it was all done. And I, and I remember saying this to this day, I said, I just looked up, I stopped in the middle of quad, I looked up, I said, God, you see me through the next two years, I'll do anything that mm-hmm. you want me to do. So watch what you say. <laughs> and uh you know and he called a marker in on me he really did yeah. when uh, when the salvation thing was kind of coming my way and I I still remember those words and nobody was with me at the time I was by myself
1: and really? he yeah. felt
0: like God heard that God was with me he, he heard me it's all the only one that had to hear me mm-hmm. yeah so through all that he had and he's always I've I've always felt his presence in my life mm-hmm. always he's always had his hand on me yeah. How
1: did, uh, did that lead to becoming a chaplain in the police?
0: The uh, police department situation had to do with, I was you know pastoring, I'd been pastoring for, well, since 82 so this would have been 97 that I uh, went to the academy for the law enforcement chaplaincy. Mm. One of the uh, lieutenants in the department started the chaplaincy up and he was, he was a part of my church. And so when he said he was gonna start the chaplaincy up, he asked several you had to be a licensed in licensed ministry to be in law enforcement chaplaincy. Mm-hmm. And so he was asking several of us if we'd be interested. And so he asked me if I'd be interested and so I said, Okay. So I went to the academy and whatnot and got, you know, graduated got sworn into the police department mm-hmm. and started you know, my work, that's how that came about. Mm. And uh, started my work with the chaplaincy back then. And uh, just, if you want opportunities to really service people, to minister, which means serve, and to serve your not just your church, but to serve your community, mm. um, the chaplaincy was the way to do it. Mm. Because we, you know, we were available, there was six of us on the squad. And we were available to every law enforcement and first responder agency in the whole county. Mm-hmm. And so that entails about six towns, seven towns, mm-hmm. a university, you know, and that's fire, sheriff's department, police department, and, you know, ambulance service. Mm-hmm. Any of those people can access us. Uh, we're on call, you know, we, we rotate, mm-hmm. uh, Friday to Friday, so when I go on call, it's from Friday to Friday, 24 hours, you're on call for 24 hours yeah, a day, right. yeah. And uh, and so dispatch will, you know, call when, if you get, somebody wants you someplace, dispatch would call that's us and, you know, we go out and suit up, and get the cruiser and go. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's that's how that got started, yeah.
1: So I guess you'd, you'd encounter a lot of people going through things, what, what do you feel that you could offer was the greatest thing you had
0: to offer when somebody came to you? uh, I've thought about that for for quite a bit because I don't think there's anything that I have not experienced in 24 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there one that's greater than the other? I I finally came to the conclusion that no. There really isn't one. They all impact you different ways, Mm -hmm. whether it's a Line of duty death of an officer, which I've gone through four of those, or whether it's a crib death, or you know a homicide, suicide, you know all of these things are tragic things, mm-hmm. and they all they all hit you a little bit different, and so you deal with them all just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mainly, what we have to keep focused on is that. You know, this whole situation isn't about me. It's, it's about, the, it's about wh- wh- whoever I'm mm. working with and trying to bring them comfort or bring them direction or bring them understanding, whatever it might happen to be. Mm. Uh, the majority of the people that I work with are not connected to a church, mm. you know. Uh, the ones that are, that's wonderful, you know. Um, I contact, you know, are you connected with the church? Yes, I am, which one is it? Um, Do you want me to call your pastor? Yes, I do, blah, blah, blah. So we'll get that, their leadership involved. Mm. And uh, if they're not, well then we're there to walk them through the whole process, whatever it might be, Mm. you know. uh, But we have to maintain the fact of letting them know that we, we depend on a source that's much bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're trained. We know how to deal with grief and that sort of thing, but um, we have to just keep kind of steering them towards the fact that, you know, if we can pray with can I pray with you? Some say yes, some say no. All right, well, do you mind if I pray for you? Well, you can pray for me, I just don't want to pray with you, you know? Uh, and then we have, Another thing that we're taught—it's just called ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. In other words, when we get to the scene, I can ask, ask the lead officer, "You know, here I am. What do you want me to do? Where, where do you need me?" And they'll tell me, "Right now, I don't really need you for anything. Just can you just—but I want you here." Yeah. Right. So we just go find a spot mm-hmm. where we're visible, and we just stand there.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess and, we can underestimate that. Yeah. That presence. Yeah,
0: presence. Just your presence. Just be here. And then uh, you know, and then it kind of goes from there. But again, like I said, every situation has to be. There's no two of them the same. Mm -hmm. You know, they might involve the same unfortunate demise. You know, whatever it might be, but the people involved are Mm -hmm. not the same. And Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's you're you're constantly having the 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 most serious prayer I ever do, praying I ever do. Is from the time the phone rings, no matter what time, you know, two o'clock in mm-hmm. the morning, whatever, I get seated up. Mm-hmm. I get in my my cruiser. I call dispatch. I tell them I'm ten eight. Means I'm I'm on, I'm I'm on duty. And from the time I head out to wherever the call is till I get there, I mean, it is mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just you you and me, Lord. Yeah. I, I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need. We want to bring peace where there is no peace. You know, make peace out of chaos. Um, Sometimes you walk into a situation where it's just utter chaotic.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, family members are everywhere, and it's just carrying on. And so you've got to be able to bring peace into that situation. You've got to maintain your demeanor. You know, you've got to be on your toes. You've got to be able to read people. So there's so many things you have to be able to do. That again. You can't do it yourself. It's impossible. Just totally impossible.
1: Is there a story you could tell us of a particular time where God answered that prayer on the way?
0: Yeah. Yes. More than once. Um, But the one I was called out to a a uh, situation with a uh, gang-related homicide, Um, young twenty-one-year-old male that had been in. He was in jail for a drug charge and he was out on bail and he was at his mom's house. Came out of his mom's house to do whatever, I don't know what. But a guy was across the street watching the house, waiting for him. He came out, and the guy shot him, and killed him. And of course took off. <clears throat> so when I got there, there was family everywhere, there was the mom was mm. upset. Um you know, officers were all over the place, and, and uh, we had a lot of the crowd was getting quite angry, getting, you know, because why are, why is there so many officers just hanging around? Why aren't they going after the guy? What's going on here? And I really thought, man, I've, you know, and they kind of said, you know, can you do anything with that, with those people? And I said, Well, I could certainly go over and give it, you know, I'll see what I could do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I had to walk across the scene, go across the street to where they had it roped off. And I, you know, it's one of those things where you're, you're not, I'm not quite sure exactly what I said. Yeah. But whatever it was I said, it just, the crowd just, phew, just
1: mm.
0: settled right down. Really? And they started asking reasonable questions, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, The sooner you all kind of go home, you know, the sooner they can get about their business. Mm-hmm. You want them to catch this guy, then you need to, don't be part of the problem, mm-hmm. be part of the solution, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I got a big grouping together. We prayed over the crime scene line. They said thank you, and they dispersed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. You know, but again, you know, it's a, God tells you what to do. You just have to be paying attention, you know? I mean, I could have walked over and made a big mess out of it, you know, and just riled up the mob. But that wasn't what I was mm. there for, you know. And again, like I said, we're 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 pretty highly trained in all that, how to mm. divert, you know, that kind of grief and anger that comes with with the grief. Yeah, mm. yeah. So there's many, many others. I mean, we could go on way, way for a long, yeah. long time. But um, that probably was one where. I really felt it was just instantaneous, you know. Yeah. Boom. Because the next day, a couple of the officers, I was at a briefing. I went to the briefing because I wanted to see if any of the guys were having a hard time at the station. And uh, a couple of the officers said, "You know, that was." I don't know what you said to those people, but that was that was great. I was like, I don't know what I said either, (laughs) you know. But they said, "You know, thanks," and they went about the business. So yeah. In your uh,
1: time journeying with people through grief. Is there anything in particular that you see the difference between whether they get through that stronger or just stay in that and and never really recover? Uh,
0: The majority of time, you know, uh, the majority of times I would say they'll work through, you know, they do work all the way through it. Um, Mm. They, uh, you know, I I, I still get a few um, Christmas cards and yeah. Um, things like that from people that I've helped over the years with with problems and, you know, they're, they're from Canada or Oregon or, you know, whatever. Um, people that were passing through town that had stuff that went on. So, yeah, people do work through that, but helping them understand that some things just take time. You know, you just got to give it time. You're not going to, your grief's not going to leave you tomorrow, you know, it won't. Um,
1: so yeah. think that's the key just be patient yeah yeah
0: yeah be patient again you know try to if you don't have if you don't have a faith base mm-hmm. try to establish one mm-hmm. you know try to get get into most people are, are definitely open to the idea that there is you know there is a God and, mm-hmm. and that uh, he does control a lot of things mm-hmm. uh, we do have a diversity of you know religions in our area, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know Hindu and this type of thing. Mm-hmm. That, but we've be, we've been well versed in um, how their religions work too. So <clears throat> we know how to help them work through their processes because they're different. They're quite different in how they how they deal with death. Um, but uh, and we have a couple of officers on the force that are uh, you know I can go to this one for this and this one for that. Yeah. Or I can call them in mm. and say, you know, I I could I could use your help over here on this yeah. situation, and so you just kind of learn from them, and you next time I won't need you, but yeah. walk me through it this time.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just one last question. Um, I wonder if you would mind sharing a bit about your journey from just a, an awareness of God to what you described as being born again. From what what was the journey? What what was the oh the my personal point? journey?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> well, I was. Uh, I was actually work. I had had a business that I had gotten involved in shortly after getting married, and uh, became a partner in the business. And uh, we were distributors for uh, a, a big uh, dairy, one of the local big dairies that. Uh, we handled wholesale distributorship, you know, supermarkets, restaurants, all that sort of thing for uh, a milk company, a company. And then and then we did, of course, ice cream, you know, so it was milk, ice cream, and then we started a big ice company selling ice. And so the guy I was working for, you know, I worked my way, it's called Sweat Equity, worked my way into the partnership in the business. Mm-hmm. And I was actually in the process of, it was a ten-year plan to buy the buy him out and take over the business. And I was about seven years into that plan when uh, my wife my wife had came to the Lord first in '77, um, and I wasn't quite sure what that was all about. You I know, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. i like, well, whatever. You know, I just. She'd been through a lot of phases. I just figured it was another phase. Yeah. Uh, but she was very serious about it. Of course, got involved in the church that we're still in to this yeah. day, and got involved. And um, and and I was working six days a week, you know. So Sundays was stay at home, do the yard. She'd be at church and yeah. that sort of thing. So I was not really that excited about the whole aspect. But uh, after a couple of years. You know, I, she would not ask me if I would to come if there was some special thing going on at the church, and I would go. and And of course, I would listen with respect. You know, I mean, I, I had fear of God in me. I was raised Catholic. You know, I went I, I was raised by nuns, <laughs> uh, so I understood the, the Trinity. I understood who Jesus was. I had good foundation. You know, went to Catholic school, um, so I I did have a lot of respect for the whole thing. I just I just didn't know if I wanted to do all that i just nah, i don't have time for that i'm 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 in the dairy business i'm a businessman i'm this is my goal my target it's where i'm going mm-hmm. and uh yeah cool. and then when i it, when i did finally it was just it was a palm sunday and i was i went with to church with my wife with wanda and uh I was just sitting there and you know the worship was going on and I was really touched by it because uh, I'm really into music I love music mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and uh, I was really touched by the worship that day and a friend of mine's wife came all the way down around and tapped me on the shoulder mm-hmm. and she's kind of little and I kind of looked but I didn't see anybody because I looked over top of her tapped me again and I said yeah and she goes Scott I don't know I I don't know she goes it's it's time it's just, it's time and she's walked away well, they had an altar call, and I just went, and uh, so that started the, that process. Of course, then I stayed in my business and was working in my business, and um, I'd gone to college to become a, a high school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, and I was a math major, and we had a, this church had a Christian school, mm-hmm. so the senior pastor called me in one day and. We had had a thing where people came and it was called a presbytery. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but we have people in our sphere of, of pastors that are really gifted and prophetic in the prophetic. And so they would have this thing where they would have these guys come and call you forward and they would pray over you and maybe have a word. You know, and so my wife and I were part of that, we went forward. And so they talked about, with me, that they saw me in a playground with children, they saw me coaching, they saw me doing all this school stuff. And we went home that night, I told I told my wife, I said, see, I, I don't, you know, eh, you know, um, I'm I'm a truck driver, you know, I, I'm doing the dairy business thing. And she goes, well, I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever and it haunted me for quite a while and but I kept pushing towards the business aspect and then the senior pastor called me in one day and he said Scott, uh, and he had a tape of it yeah and he said I want to I want to play something for you and so they, he played it and he said the reason why I did that was because we have an opening in the high school and we want to know if you would be willing to come on staff to be uh, involved with our high school kids and maybe do some coaching and uh, be over our music department, our worship department. I said, well, I'm, I'm in business, yeah. you know. And uh, he just said, well, I just, you know, I'm just putting a bug in your ear, you know, you work it out. Yeah. He said, the other thing is we can't, we cannot even start to pay you what you make now. It's impossible. I'm like, okay. So cancel my, my vision, cut my income. Yeah. And so I told, went home, told my wife. She said, whatever you do, I'm with you. You know, It'll work. If it's God, it'll work. For the next week, and, you know, I'm out making my runs in my truck, you know, I mean, God's just like in my face. And I, I just, I'm like, what do I do with this? And I just kept hearing, you gotta trust, you gotta trust, you gotta trust. So I went to my partner and I said, I'm gonna sell out. Um, I'm gonna move on. And he said, I knew something, I knew something was up. We stayed very close friends yeah. through all this matter of fact, but anyway, so I walked away from that and went to work and the Christian school and and the church, it was a split salary deal. Mm. Yeah, so that's, uh, I just thought, I don't know, boy Lord, you better really know what you're doing. It's the best years of my life. Tom, I can't tell you, I I, I just, you know, working with those high school kids and coaching those kids, I coach basketball, I coach baseball and soccer, Mm-hmm. Um, did some work with the track team people and then, of course, the music side of it, which was my kind of my first love. Mm-hmm. And I was a worship leader for years in our church, but uh, yeah, it's just to this day. I mean, I they send me pictures, they're grandparents now, you know, a lot of them were grandparents, and some of them became grandparents before I did. <laughs> You know, they used to tease me when I was—I was only thirty-three years old when I went on staff mm-hmm. with the school, and so the kids used to always, say, "Hey, old man!" and they give me the bad time. You know, so "Yeah, you wait. <laughs> I, you know, I'll live long enough to see it." And so now I see a lot of them. They, I see them all the time, mm-hmm. the kids around. Yeah, so they're really a blessing, yeah. you know, to me. And yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so walking. Making that decision was tough. Mm. You know, did we ever go without? No, you know, never. And of course, you know, we've met, we've traveled the world, and met outrageous, great people mm. as a result of all that. We would, never would have met Philip and Mandy. Yeah. You know,
1: so. sounds like that's uh, that taught you what surrender really means and and why you can trust God.
0: Yeah, and it's never you know when <clears throat> if you're going to pray and ask God. For his plan for your life, um, it, it's, it might require some sacrifices, yeah. <laughs> you know, or what you think is sacrifice. Yeah. But you know, his, you know, he, you know, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the giver of all things, and you know, if if I'm gonna make these moves, I can I can count on him to make sure he's my provider. He's it's up to him, you know, and he rebukes the devourer. You know, I mean, you end up with a I had. A, 73 Dodge van, and I, of course, I used it a lot with the school. You know, they, they used it to haul kids mm-hmm. and go to stuff. And, and I think I had it till 1993, oh, really? 20 years. And that thing never never uh-huh. broke down on me. Never, I mean, it was, it was a workhorse. Mm-hmm. And then when it finally did start acting up a little bit, well, then I was able to, you know, replace it easily. But uh, just stuff like that, you know, and things at home like your refrigerator lasts forever, your TV lasts, you know. <laughs> it's like nowadays yeah. nothing lasts forever, but um, yeah, so it's it's really mm. acknowledging that he provides all things mm. and giving him the truly giving him the thanks and the credit for mm. your life being what it is. Mm.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks Scott, that's a really powerful story. Well you're welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, lots of wisdom there from Scott and so appreciate how honestly he shared with us if that's brought up anything for you uh, more than happy to talk with you about that uh, you can contact me at haventogether.com otherwise leave a leave a comment with a question or a thought you have about this episode uh, if you haven't heard of our podcast before we've got a number of episodes like this that you might enjoy feel free to check them out subscribe if you're listening on youtube uh, for updates about our next episodes otherwise look forward to sharing the next one with you and uh, we'll see you next time